0: If you could interpret the Scripture in a way that gives richer meaning to the text, change your life, and do what we're talking about in this podcast, the fascinating, life-altering Word of God. If that Word of God could come so alive to you that it would really transition your whole life, you you would want that. We've been talking in the last few weeks about this fascinating, life-altering Word of God. I uh, would love for you to go back and if you hadn't heard of previous episodes, uh, check those out because that'll give you good context for today. I'm here with Joshua West, soon to be Dr. Joshua West. (laughs) Excited for him about that. And um, we're going to be looking at uh, the word hermeneutics today. I don't know if you've heard of that word before or if you um, are um, understanding what it means, but today you're going to not only understand what it means, but you're going to be able to grasp it in such a way that it'll be such a powerful tool in your arsenal to help you uh, discern rightly the word of God, Joshua. Welcome, glad you're here with us today on the Gary Wilkinson podcast.
1: So glad to be with you, and uh, real excited about just these last few episodes and the ones we're doing. Um, Why is that? Just because um, you know, there's nothing more exciting as a as a preacher or a pastor when somebody the light clicks on as far as the word of God is concerned. And so obviously the spirit of God has a lot to do with that, but being able to help people plainly see what the Bible teaches is one of the, the greatest joys of my life and um, and just so anything we can do to help people regard the Bible highly, understand the Bible better, um, so that they can know God from his word is something that, that I'm very passionate about. Yeah. So I love talking about all of this stuff. And I think, uh, you know, uh, I think sometimes we we don't realize that the idea of studying the Bible, you know, the word hermeneutic just means interpretation. Like, how do we interpret the Bible? Um, how do we rightly interpret the Bible? And so I think um, sometimes we think, well, that's a job for the preacher. But the Bible actually tells us that we ourselves have to be students of God's Word. We don't have a proxy relationship with God. Yes, we're we're thankful for biblical, faithful preachers. They have a place in the body of Christ, and we should submit ourselves to a church, or an a, but more importantly, we should submit ourselves to the Word of God. And so uh, just seeing people come alive for God's Word and see it impact their life is something that's just so uh, amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. The things we're looking at today, uh, hermeneutics, um, just did a little research online. I, I, I don't really like to talk about mythical Greek gods very often, if at all, uh, but that's where we get this word from. Uh, hermeneutics is not necessarily a, only a biblical discipline. It's it's uh, interpreting any. You could do Shakespeare, or you could do ancient uh, poets. Um, uh, you could even do modern hermeneutics on modern writers, if you want to. So it's taking either spoken or written word and then interpreting it for an audience. So uh, Hermes was the the Greek god that it came from, and he was the god who would hear messages from the. Upper gods, the higher gods, and then interpret them to the people. It's like the intermediary uh, between the message given, and then the, they were the messengers, so to speak. That um, again, not that we're looking to any kind of Greek gods or anything like that, but just gives a general idea of what we're talking about here today Definitely. to have an understanding. It's it's to take what God has said in His His Word, and not that He needs us to interpret it because it's not clear, but it's in interpreting what he said. It's it's putting your finger in the word and say, look at this, and then it means this, and we're going to give this to the people then. And so so that's a—but uh, what, what text do you usually jump off at when you're first starting to think about hermeneutics?
1: Well, I think we, we mentioned this text in the previous podcast, but just one of the verses um, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, um, I think it's just sort of like the highlighting verse for all that we're talking about here today. Where it says, "Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth." Or uh, the King James, or the NSAB would uh, translate that, "Rightly dividing the word of truth." Yep. And so, I think it's important to to point out the obvious thing: if there's a right way. And there's also many wrong ways. And and I think the implication that Paul is giving Timothy in in this epistle is that it's going to take work to to dig in and to understand what it means, um, just like anything valuable that we we do in life. If we wanted to learn how to fix a car, we would have to learn how to fix cars. Yeah. And we would read books and, and, and understand how a combustion engine works. If we wanted to be a medical doctor, we would have to learn about how to distribute medicine, how to make sutures, how to um, you know do whatever the discipline we're learning. And so the idea of, of studying to show ourselves approved is, is not something in conflict with um, the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It is the revelation of the Holy Spirit and making sure that we do our best to to understand what God meant when he wrote his word. And by doing that, we have to understand what the author meant and and who he was writing to and all these sort of things. It's always important to say this uh, anytime you talk about hermeneutics, while the Bible has many possible applications uh, each line of scripture has one intended meaning. Just like if you wrote something to your wife, you know, you know, dear Kelly, um, please pick up dry cleaning when you're in town today. That means something, right? And there's a specific something you're asking her to do in that letter. So if you read it and go, oh, I think Kelly's trying to, you know, uh, tell me a story about a moral or something. You're like, no, it's not what <laughs> yeah. she's... Te- you're telling her to do so. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't things in the Bible um, that um, that do have allegoric meanings. Jesus spoke in parables. The, the Psalms oftentimes use anthropomorphic language, which means, you know, like attributing human attributes yeah. to God that aren't really there to communicate. But I don't think we should overthink that to the point where we're like, well, we just can't understand the Bible. No, we need to uh, take the Bible literally unless it gives us a reason not to. Yeah,
0: yeah. Just thinking about what you just said there, um, the note, um, tell, you know, Gary, pick up the dry cleaning uh, from the, uh, how do you, do you remember exactly what you said? While you're in town, when you you pick up the dry cleaning from the dry. All right, so hermeneutics is, is, because a lot of the literature we're trying to exegete is from a different culture, a different time period. So, you know, if if you were to go way back in time and somebody saw that note and they go, what is dry cleaning? Right. Um, And uh, we have villages and hamlets, but we don't know what a town is. Right. So this hermeneutics and exegesis would be taking that language that was given to you and interpreting it into... Something that's, is that, am I correct in that? That's Something definitely I correct. I understand that because that's, you know, I think another illustration would be uh, we lived in, my wife and I and family lived in London for a while. And, um, you know, one time we were pushing our, our baby carriage and, you know, they call them prams over there and they call the elevators lifts. You know, so I, so they, somebody asked me when we first got there, oh, would you like to move your uh, pram onto the lift? I was like, I have no idea what you're right. talking about. Right. You know, and so you, you need an interpreter. Uh, in some ways, to do that. And so uh, God's giving and, not, and again, I want to be careful about this because it's not like God needs an interpreter because it's right. so unclear, but it's just a, He gives us, through the Holy Spirit the ability to look back in history when this text was written, and be able then to interpret it into a way that our modern audience could understand it.
1: Well, for anything to be um, intelligible, we have to use language. Right. And the idea of using language to communicate is, is basically the basis of what we're saying. So there's different views on hermeneutics, you know, in um, different sort of traditions. But in orthodox, conservative, biblical Christianity, we use what is called... Um, the historical-grammatical method, which means we we take the Bible to mean what it says. So we want to understand what it says, and we do that in light of the many nuances, languages, cultures, of history. So, but the but the main focus is is we're trying to understand what was the meaning of this author when he wrote this. So, if if someone's writing a poem in you know. The sixth century BC, it's a poem, yeah. right? And if someone's writing a command of God, it's a command of God. And so I think it's just it's just for us to rightly discern what method of literary device is being used. Even Jesus Himself, when He spoke in parables, you know, He explained why He did it to His disciples, um, uh, even saying that hey, some of these mysteries of the kingdom of God are for you; they're not for them, um, because. The way God chose to reveal himself. So it's not that they're, it's not for them because uh, he doesn't want them to know. It's not for them because they're not a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. So I think instead of making things very, very complicated, we just need to think of it, I hate to say this, and then not divorcing the Holy Spirit from it, but in a secular way. Mm-hmm. Like, just what does it mean? Like, what did they mean? I think one of the, the reasons why it's so important to say this in this day and age is because. Um people like to superimpose hidden secrets into things. People are always looking for, you know, the Bible codes <laughs> and the secrets. Yeah. And I think the the problem is, is while the Bible does have depth and deep spiritual meaning to it, um, it doesn't have secret trapdoors. Like if you see yeah. this one thing, then you can this means this and you add these two words together. No, it it means what it says. It's it's written in letter form yeah. it's written in narrative form it's written as laws it's it's written in these literary devices that all of us are familiar with as yep. and maybe not as much with apocalyptic language or prophetic language which we'll explain later but but by and large the the what the bible says is what it means and i think that we have to that's what hermeneutics is is getting down to the to the what was the author trying to say to the people of his day because if you think that you understand a deep spiritual truth without explaining what the literal plain meaning of it is, you are wrong.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's so true. Um, I I just pulled up a a more of a technical definition of hermeneutics, and then we can go into maybe four of the elements that work this out. Uh, Hermeneutics is any effort to interpret the meaning of communication, particularly communication that is being interpreted in a different cultural context, yeah, and so that's that's kind of what that's the work we're at here is, and 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 not a lot of people, and and, and this goes to what we're hoping this podcast do is to increase the uh, you know, increase the hundredfold the joy of the word of the Lord, the knowing and the knowledge of Christ, the the inspiration of Scripture coming alive in your heart, of being fascinated with this Word of God. We're we're, we're wanting to do that, and so, um, but not a lot of Christians. They they kind of read it more. I don't want to make this a blanket statement here, but I, I I would say I have a tendency to do this. You know, you pick up the word and like, what what does this mean to me? Right. Or, and you talked about that in the last episode. Or what 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 can I get out of this? Or how can this inspire me today? Or how can this edify me? Great. Let let the word of God edify you as it should. But make sure you're doing it with with what with the tool of hermeneutics. Is what is that really what he meant to say? Yes. You know, an exa- example of that is. You know um, where Scripture uh, talks about all things working together for good to those who love God. Well, what what does all things mean? Uh, because you could you could get twisted there by saying, well, uh, that would mean I wouldn't be in the hospital now, or my right. spouse wouldn't have left me. And so, so you're if you're if you don't understand the context of where you're at, then you're gonna misinterpret it, and then you're gonna it's gonna hurt you. It's gonna end up come, come back to bite you if you're doing it the wrong way.
1: I think before we move into those uh, the four you know main principles of hermeneutics, I think it's important to say this too, is is while we dip into a certain place of the Bible, the longer you study the Bible um, contextually, line on line, precept on precept, book by book, in the right context, the deeper the and more broad and vast. Your understanding is going to be of, of several things, the character of God. We see how God deals with people over the course of, of you know, th- hundreds and even thousands of years. We see the promises of God. One thing that I think a lot of people, if they rightly divided the Word of God contextually and hermeneutically, they wouldn't fall into the trap of not understanding the continuity of the Old and New Testament. That the the same God that right. that that you know delivered uh, the people out of Egypt is the same God we serve today, and His character is the same, and and His promises are the same, and the doctrines are the same. But what we get in trouble with is is when we isolate those things. Um, and and we take those parts of Scripture in isolation of other parts. So there will be times where, especially when you're a young student of the Scripture, where there will be things that don't make as much sense. And to be a true student of the Bible, you have to have a little room for some mystery and some patience, knowing that the longer you study, the more the big concepts of the Bible are going to grow deeper. And even as a person, as a preacher, I remember preaching through a book of the Bible, you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago and, you know, preaching it rightly coming back and preaching it again 10 years later and just understanding so much more the depth of it. The meaning of the scripture didn't change, but I understood the character of God better. And I understood that book of the Bible um, way better in context of the whole Bible than maybe I did before. And so that's the place where the study the Bible becomes rich and beautiful and, and just uh, exciting.
0: Yeah. That that, that it just makes it come alive. Yeah, it makes it come and alive. I, and, uh, yeah. Well, here's, here's an example of that. So the, the passage of scripture that you use from Second Timothy two fifteen. First time I read it, young man, it was it was, um, it was from the King James. Remember, uh, you know, and, and it says, "Study to show thyself approved." A workman needeth not be ashamed. Well, if you exegete scripture and you study and you're using some hermete- hermeneutic tools, you look at that and just even the thing we talked about in one of the previous podcasts. You know, look at several different uh, translations of that, and the only one that uses the word "study." Is King James. Right. You could look at forty different translations; none of them use the word "study." Go to the Greek, then the word "study" is not even in there. Yeah, it's, it's the, the first word, probably best transcribed would be or, or interpreted would be "hasten." Uh, you know, even even to, even this idea of uh, uh, you know be diligent or so uh, uh, exert yourself is another translation of that passage. Um, but but in the Greek, it's, it means to move quickly. Yes, I, I think, and so I, as I study, that, I go. it's just it, it's the same passage and it means the same thing you know you know, this is some work it's going to take some effort to dig into the word and rightly divide it but you get these new nuances that add to it so now it's not just it's not just study it's it's move quickly uh, cut and then the, the that word is uh, uh to uh, to cut the word uh, yes. to, to, to divide it it's, yes. it's you know you're 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 uh, And that word, you know, cut speaks to—you mentioned that in the last episode—that's like the two-edged sword that penetrates to the soul and the marrow. So the the idea here is, you know, just run to this thing. Run into the things that God has for you. Run to the Word of God every day. And my father taught me, um, when you come to Scripture, don't be a—you might have heard this before—don't be a butterfly, be a bee. Mm. Uh, A butterfly flits around. A butterfly usually— you know, wake up in the morning saying, I'm, I'm kind of depressed, Lord. Can right. you uh, give me a word? Yes. You know, and it's, uh, you shall, the king of Jerusalem shall come and cry aloud to you. Oh, that doesn't mean anything. Let me try right. another one. Uh, John answered a person, shall, you know, and it's just like, and you keep going until you find something like, you know, I am with you and I'll never leave you. And, and you go around telling everybody, God told me this morning, I'll never leave you." Well, of right. course, he didn't, didn't say, hey, has, we cut you in 10,000 pieces <laughs> before that. Uh, so, so you know, run to this thing we're talking about today—run into the hermeneutical study of Scripture uh, and cut the word rightly, and and in doing so, you'll do that. And we we have, you know, as you said earlier, these four basic ways of doing that. Do you want to dig into that? Unless you yeah. had something else to say. before. No, I just that.
1: wanted to say one thing: this isn't a slam against the King James Bible because it's a faithful translation. But even when you when you realize the fact that you're reading a 400-year-old 500-year-old text of the Bible that really is written in a different language. The King's English is right. different than modern English in many ways. So then you even need to sort of apply some hermeneutical tools and to rightly decipher the King James Bible because some words in there don't— not because the Word of God changes, but language has changed. Language, so, yeah. so there's ways that words would be interpreted in the King James if you don't understand the King's English. Yeah. Now to the people of— you know, the 1600s, this is amazing. We have the Bible in English. And like I said, it's no way a slam on a faithful translation, but it's this idea that now you're, you're reading things in a language that you don't exactly speak. Yeah. Um, and so even then you're, there has to be some understanding. If you're going to read the King James Bible, make sure you understand it, how a 16th century English yeah. person would have, right. because that's who it was, it was, not the Bible, but that translation was made to. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, just a, a little good. thing I oh, want to throw in there. Yeah. So do you want to, let's mention all four of them at the beginning, and then we can deal with them one by one. you want to take it?
0: Okay, yeah. Uh, number one, Scripture interprets Scripture. Number two, context interprets Scripture. Number three, intent interprets Scripture. And number four, the clear interprets the obscure, which, yeah. uh, which uh, I don't mind. Uh, most of my thoughts go to number four, but let's start on uh, top number one. And uh, if you don't mind uh, leading the way there
1: the most important interpreter of Scripture is God himself. And very often, the Bible is going to shed light from another place as we're talking about, you know, the doctrine of grace or something. And Paul is uh, briefly mentions it, you know, in Galatians. And you're like, man, that uh, I'm not exactly sure what that means. But then he vets it out in, in Ephesians chapter 2. Sometimes Scripture will directly interpret itself an author will interpret himself. Another author will interpret or elaborate on what another author wrote. But sometimes Scripture interprets itself by um, the doctrines of the Bible becoming clear as we study the whole of Scripture. So there are things that that you can't understand one thing until you understand five or six things that make it up. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's important before we understand that Jesus became flesh... That's that's a very important thing. Our salvation hinges on Him being punished in the flesh to take our sin. But if we don't understand that He's fully God first, there's a lot of doctrinal confusion come in. So when you study the Bible, it sheds light on itself. And I think the most reliable translation or uh, interpreter of Scripture is Scripture itself. It's God clarifying something he said in yeah. another place. And I think without a doubt, that is the most important um, hermeneutical view that we have mm-hmm. to have is that Scripture interprets itself. And then there's another way Scripture interprets itself. As progressive, and I don't mean that in a modern way, like progressive politically or progressive Christians, as Scripture progressively um, bears itself out as God progressively reveals himself from the Garden of Eden yeah. to, the, to the book of Revelation, we, it builds on itself. And so scripture is interpreting itself. So something that's said about Jesus that's not very clear uh, in Isaiah is completely made clear in the book of Colossians.
0: Fire in Our Bones Pastors Conference and Spiritual Leaders Conference is coming up very soon. Check it out on our World Challenge website. We believe you should be there because God is going to do some great things.
1: Yeah, we see this, and that's why it's important that when you're studying the Bible, knowing that Scripture interprets Scripture, that we trace everything back to its origin when possible, and we follow everything to its completion because there's things we read about um, God or the way God fills or interacts with people, if we just take it in isolation, if we just read sections of the book of Jeremiah, we're going to think, man, wow, God's given up on everybody. Yeah. But if we understand it in the wholeness of the covenant of God with Israel and the new covenant, if we understand it in the fulfillment of Christ, then this is really uh, an explanation that is revealed in Christ. And, and not that this is an end all be all, but very often um, the, the these uh, sort of explanations of Scripture interpreting itself finds itself in the revelation in the person of Jesus Christ for a great part of Scripture.
0: Scripture interpreting Scripture gives you the full counsel of the Word of God. Therefore, you don't have, you're not just taking one Scripture and saying, "Well, look, it says this," right? And and you so so you can make it. You can fall into error, even false teaching, by just looking at one verse and saying here's well it says that right. so it has to be that and but 12 other scriptures bring light to that one verse uh, the example i'm thinking of here comes to mind is um jesus the only begotten son right. so you just take that and it's and i read that he's begotten sounds like he was born right. so maybe he wasn't god eternally but then you you know but then you go through all these other scriptures and you see what begotten means and what who he is as the son the eternal Son, the, the, you know, the one I'm one with the Father. So you're letting scriptures interpret that. And later on, when you get to the one that, you know, certain clearer scriptures, the, the word begotten is a little unclear. Yes. So clearer scriptures uh, about the eternal Son. Definitely. Um, you know, help interpret that. So that would be a good use of that, wouldn't it? I
1: think it's a, yeah. an excellent use yeah. of that.
0: Good, good. It's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second one is context interpret scripture. What does that mean?
1: So beyond the scripture interpreting scripture, that's the most reliable um, scripture interpreting itself. But context in another way is probably the most important thing we need to know about scripture because it has to do with scripture interpreting scripture. Context interpret scripture is is the most important thing. I'll, I'll give you an example I used to give. I used to teach a hermeneutics class and I would tell people, you know, it would be like me coming to my friend Jim and saying, hey, I was talking to this guy I was ministering to in prison, and this guy told me that, you know, he killed people. And he literally said this to me. He said, I like to kill people. Mm. And then so my friend Jim goes and tells the story later, and he says, you know what Josh just said to me? He said, I like to kill people. Oh, wow. Well, the truth is, did those words come out of my mouth? Most definitely. But the context immediately says that I'm not saying I like, I'm telling a story about someone I was talking to. And more often than not, this is how people say that the scripture, God's unjust, or um, we try to explain away things about God because uh, of one line of scripture that's not, given in context. And the truth is context has to do with what the whole of scripture says. Context has to do with what the original author was writing to his original audience. Context has to do with what were the historical cultural conditions of the, of the people, all the things that play into the scenery into the language uh, create the context of, of, and context is, is so important because, in a book as large as the Bible, it's, it'd be very easy to take God out of context, and that's something that we have to work very hard not to do.
0: Perfect. Um, I hope people are taking notes what you were saying about that—the various elements that come underneath, what you know, what context actually is. You were talking about the historical context. the you know, what, what's the theme of the chapter? These are things that you understand, so you're not pulling up one little thing. It, it, uh, you know, and and um, you know, if you take those first two together, that um, you're you're going to come up with a very different end result. Mm-hmm. You know, like like when uh, faith and prosperity teachers talk about sowing, right? Um, you know, sow sow into my ministry. Uh, well, if you look at the if you let scripture interpret scripture, or even you look at the context of those things, it's not talking. It's not usually talking about money. Like, give me money. It's talk. You know, it's talking about giving your life into something or, or pouring yourself out into something so uh, you know that so you know if, if you don't use these first two tools you'll end up mishandling the word of God and coming up with some teaching that you know it sounds good you know it sounds good yeah, also, also ten dollars into your ministry and I'll get a hundred back right uh, but you know that doesn't say anything about that does it
1: it doesn't the saddest part too is you know one thing I learned when I really begin to seriously study the Bible is oftentimes, sometimes it was as simple as reading the the handful of verses that came before the popular verse and the handful of verses after. And you would have to literally be a fool to not understand that there's no possible way that that scripture could be used the way it's being misinterpreted. Just simply reading a whole chapter of the scripture helped me see that that this doesn't mean this.
0: Any person that really gives themselves to study of the Word of God to do what we're talking about in 2 Timothy here. Definitely. We'll we'll come to understand that. Third one is uh, intent interpret scriptures. What do we mean by intent?
1: Yeah, and I think it, it goes back. Context helps us understand intent, but, I mean, it's just very simple. I said this at the beginning, but all scripture has one intended meaning, many different applications. And so it's just what did the person mean when he wrote it? I think a lot of times we want to find deeper spiritual meaning which really leads into gnosticism we try to we try to find a meaning that doesn't but what what it says is what it means yeah. and so if it is a poem you know or something then we'll take it as a poem. If it's a an allegory, we'll take it as an allegory. But if it's something plainly spoken, literally said, it just means what it says.
0: Yes. Now, a good example of that would be the, uh, <coughs> the little line you started the podcast with, uh, Gary, when you go uh, pick up the dry cleaning when you go into town... That's, that's plain meaning. That's right. But, you know, we might need to interpret it to somebody, like we said, in ancient times that didn't know what a town is or didn't know what a dry cleaner was. But once they know what it means, somebody's washing your clothes and they live in this village, you might interpret it that way. Right. It's still, it's still clear, still totally plain. But if you said uh, the dry cleaning speaks to um, an unclean conscience and town going into the town means going into... Uh, the kingdom of God.
1: Right. You're not... That's where you start. That's not...
0: The author didn't mean to say that. And that
1: really is adding... I think that's one of the most um, misused things is people often will allegorize things that clearly are not allegories. Right. And I think that's something that many preachers and many people who read the Bible are guilty of. Let me just say this too. A lot of times too... What we do is because we know the character of God or we think something about God, we'll try to superimpose that on the text. People do this all the time because they're trying to um, propagate a certain doctrine or you know type of theology that may or may not be true but they do it at the expense of God's word. And we have to ask ourselves, what was the intended meaning? What what did Jesus mean when he spoke it to his disciples? Because yeah. that's what it means. And I think um, we, we get in a lot of trouble when we get away from that. But if we focus on trying to find out what the— because, listen, if you wrote me a letter, you know, I work for you at World Challenge, and you wrote me a letter and said, you know, I'm going to be out of town for two months, and while I'm gone, uh, you know, I want you to handle these eight things— I'm not gonna be trying to you know, breathe some sort of like, well, Gary, I, well, the way I interpreted the that n- was... The
0: number eight mean. Yeah, the eight, you know, all yeah, this sort of is. stuff.
1: I think, I, you know, you would come back and I didn't do any of the eight things <laughs> on the list, but I had, you know, some great moral messages. Yeah. You know, you you might go, well, you know, that's that's really neat, but um, I need someone who can do what I asked them to do. I think that's what we do with the Bible so often. And I think the reason we do it, even consciously or subconsciously, is because we don't want to obey <laughs> And we don't, and we don't want to, we don't want to deal with the hard things in the scripture that God asks us to do. Yeah. Um,
0: or for greedy gain. Or
1: for greedy gain. You know, we we want uh, People do it for nefarious reasons. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like um, God told me to leave my wife and marry that other woman. Right. And they might even try to dig out a scripture, you know, like... Exactly. Like, you know, all things are lawful. Right. Yeah. And so that yeah, it's, it's just poor thing. And it does a lot of harm. It really does. And and you, you can... Uh, you can see some good things happen in your life if you pay attention to these things. And the fourth one, uh, the clear interprets the obscure. Uh, this one for me has been really important. Just, just there are certain things that are extremely clear in Scripture. There are things that are less clear. Um, I hate to even go into this example because I don't want to start start up any controversy. But you know, most of my life, uh, you know, I believed a certain thing about the rapture and uh, the tribulation and. Um, uh, you know, all, all these things and I had the order all down and stuff like that because that's all I had been taught. But but as I use this particular thing, it's like there's there's certain th- very clear things that we know for sure. Jesus is coming back. Right. We don't know whether it's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. Right. We don't know all the millennial stuff. Um, you know, and, and and the way and I think what we've allowed ourselves to do in this particular item is using use an example. I'm not used, trying to go into the doctrine of this tonight sure. today. Um, but the what we allow ourselves to do is let the obscure um, you know the 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 you know, interpret the 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 clear. We, we clearly know Jesus is coming, but we don't really want to cling to that. We want this whole map and chart and stuff like that. And so that's just one example, but I think there's hundreds well, I think, of things.
1: I think too. There's also you know the Bible in the Old Testament says that all things should be established through the witness of two or three, and I think um, that is a sound biblical principle, not just in the context of the Old Testament, but in just in general. And, you know, there are many cults or many uh, weird versions of theological things that are propagated off of a reading of one unclear thing in the Bible at the expense of so many other clear things. Yeah. You you take like a, a mention, there's one mention in the Bible of baptizing for the dead. Yeah. I've studied this out. There's not a great historical understanding of why they said that. There's speculation from commentators. You can't go back into the Greek, uh, the Roman era. You can't really find anything. So there's really not a clear thing. So for me to take a doc, make a doctrine of the church out of that, and say, "Well, we're going to baptize for the dead," is a full, is a sort of a foolish thing to do. And some people will take that. And and so there's countless more examples. But what they will do is instead of um, this this text that isn't as well established as salvation through grace by faith, right. they'll use it not only um, to build doctrine off of, but they will do it even when it's at the expense of clear doctrine. I think that's the, the biggest problem is y- when you talk about es- eschatology or things like this, these are important things to study but all devout believers in Christianity can can affirm that the point of revelation is to let us know that Jesus is coming back for his church. Right. We can all agree on that. Um and so being divisive because we we want to use, you know, uh, Revelation chapter 12 to interpret Galatians, we start getting in some in some weird places there instead of, you know, loosely handling these things. It's it is important to study and it's okay to have your particular eschatological position, but not at the expense of of the things that are that are very very important. And I think not only do believers get in, into problems because of that, but cults are born because of things like that.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Just taking taking the obscure, um, you know, <clears throat> the people that would be universalists. You know, they, they they'll take. You know, Jesus really didn't say hell. He said Gehana and, right. Gah- and and then they get obscure. Gehana was a uh, uh, where they burn the trash outside of the walls of Jerusalem well the scripture didn't actually say that we don't really know that's what they call Gehana or, right. or or maybe they use that word Gehana it's the fiery pit outside of Jerusalem but I mean it for, you know Jesus is more in, because of all that he spoke about hell you know he's not talking about you're going to be thrown outside the wall of Jerusalem definitely you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be talking about a literal and and so therefore again we find sometimes you know and and I would encourage our listeners to shy away from Teachings that if you go to church Sunday after Sunday and, and they're just digging into these obscure things that you know um, I went back to my um, my homiletics teacher at uh, um, Bible school and he was asking me like um, what what word do you normally get uh, of encouragement like your sermon was powerful was it what, what, and I and I I said um, usually I get people to say I've never heard that before and he goes that's not good I was so proud of myself right and he goes if 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 Nobody's heard it before. It's probably not right. That's true. You know, it's too obscure. And I used to love to study the word that way. You know you could like find one little word and kind of get a nuance that it really didn't mean that, but it sounds like it could. And,
1: and I think this is what Paul means when he talks about controversies over words and yeah. dissensions over this sort of stuff. When you're digging into you're digging past the meaning of the text yeah. and you're and you're using a word search. And it's doing damage to the rest of uh, of the church and to doctrine and all this sort of stuff. It's not really the point of it. One thing I wanted to say before we—I know we were running short on time—but I wanted to say this because I know there will be people that listen to this and they say, "Well, you're saying not to, you know, get too overwhelmed by things that are obscure and not to focus too much on contradictions and stuff like that." It's important to remember that. Um, that hermeneutics is not apologetics. We're not We're not making a case for Christianity. Hermeneutics is a—biblical hermeneutics is a discipline of people who have already come to terms with the lordship of Christ and the inerrancy of Scripture yeah. and these sort of things. So these principles are being applied with, you know, we've already worked those things out. Because I've actually had people, when I taught, you know, a hermeneutics class in a church or something, and people— maybe some are christians, some are false converts, some are on the fence and then they come and they say so what about you know you're telling me you know not to do this or that and i well apologetics is something different when i'm ministering to a person who hasn't accepted christ and his word is authoritative then my approach is going to be different i'm you know i'm i'm conv- want to convince you of of God, you know, and obviously I believe the spirit is the one who draws you to God, but but hermeneutics is not an apologetic, so I'm not telling the the skeptic to not look deeply into the things that he doesn't think make think make sense in the Bible no go ahead this is this is the art of interpretation for people who believe that God the God of the Bible is actually God
0: powerful love, love that thought uh yeah, we've kind of run out of time here, but uh, we hope that the fascinating life altering word of god is something that these past few episodes have been stirring in your heart to give you this, this zeal for the word of the lord that you just want to just going to be consumed with this thing and by this thing this this living sharp two edged sword Man, it's, it's Joshua's and my prayer that that we are creating a stirring in your heart. That you're not just hearing some more information, not just taking notes and saying like, "Oh, now I know what hermeneutics means." But you're saying, "The, the, the what's behind understanding the word hermeneutics is how I study the Word of God." And we are praying that this increases that desire to, that you. Uh, take and eat the Word of God and let it become part of life who you are. Uh, once again, I want to encourage you, uh, this is episode three, I think, yep. uh, of this 12-week series on the altering, life-altering Word of God. I want to encourage you to go back and look to the, listen to the first two if you haven't yet, and subscribe to our podcast, and also tell your friends about it. Check out our website at worldchallenge.org. We have some other resources available for you there. Thanks for listening. If you're a pastor or ministry leader,
1: you and your spouse are invited to join us at the Fire in Our Bones Pastors and Leaders Conference in New York City, August 2nd through the 4th. Joining Gary will be Nikki Cruz, Tim Delina, Carter Conlon, Claude Hood, and RT Kendall with worship by Donnie McClurkin, Shane and Shane, and 1121 featuring Kelly Wilkerson and Jared Anderson. Visit worldchallenge.org and click on the events tab for full registration details. If you enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to do two things. First, share this with someone else. Second, click on the subscribe or follow button on whatever app you're using to listen to the show. That way you get notified when we release a new episode. Thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next time.